Welcome to episode 5 of the Gentle Business Sessions. I am your host, Ashley Bowden, and I am so glad to be back here with you. In today's episode, I sit down and have a conversation with Danielle Joseph, who is an incredible human and the founder of Willow Space, among other things. And we have a really interesting conversation about client experience creating client experiences that are sustainable and simple and generous and kind. But really what we really get into is how to create client experiences that honor the humanity, both of the service provider and the person receiving the service. And I cannot wait for you to listen to it and hear any takeaways that you might have. So let's get into it. I'm so excited to have you and be sitting down with you. I love that I've been able to witness some of your journey over the last few years, and I think that brings a, a cool richness to the conversation. I would love for you to just share a bit about who you are, if people haven't met you yet, uh, anything that you really want people to know about who you are. Mm-hmm. So I am Danielle Joseph, and I first am the founder and creative director at Function Creative Co., which is a brand strategy and design studio. We do a lot of branding for clients all over the world, and then we go on to support them with any of their experiences through their platform. So uh, we do software design for UX or UI. We do a lot of websites and, and just supporting our clients through any marketing and packaging needs and things like that after they've solidified their branding. That's primarily where I've grown and been in the business world. And then in 2020, after some kind of personal darker times and things coming up, decided that it would be a good idea to start a software company. (laughs) Because why not? Who doesn't think like that? And I founded Willow Space, which is a client management platform that is primarily built with kind of design in mind and making things more simple and seamless and fluid with managing your clients. And that's where I've been kind of exercising these branding and UX like experience design tools that I've learned so much over the years at Function and of kind of this software world now, which is uh, kind of taking some of my attention and I balance my worlds between those two places. Yeah, beautiful. Must Mm -hmm. keep you fairly busy, I imagine. Very busy. I also do really enjoy not working. So that's that's yeah. a thing too. So I really also do a lot of like maker things and hands-on things. And that kind of keeps me offline and off my computer, which is super, super important to me. So I love like making anything and everything. I know that the conversation that I really want to direct us towards and sort of peel back some layers on is around client experience and what makes a client experience, simple, sustainable, beautiful, incredible, both for the provider and also for the client. And Willow Space like really comes into that beautifully. And so I'd love to get a little bit of, you know, when you were creating Willow Space, what was sort of your vision? Yeah, it's um really with function over the years. So I've been working at the design studio and kind of doing design and creative direction in the design studio since I think about 2014 now. So it's been almost 10 years and working with clients can be 
the biggest blessing and the biggest like hard burnout world. And so (laughs) I found that it was both things in different times and like maybe at the same time too. Like sometimes I was really burnt out working specifically with clients and just wished to have a different business model. And then sometimes I loved working with clients and I just have, I'm grateful because I have so many amazing clients and I've been so lucky over the years to work with amazing people. And so that part of it, I didn't want to give up either. So um, in 2020, I think most people went through like dark times. I don't know if I'm that unscathed, but just diving in a little bit like to about my story, which is, you know, out there already. But my, I had a daughter that was born in 2019 and she passed away in January of 2020. So she was just shy of three months old just before COVID. It was just like COVID was like the worst and best time for that to happen, honestly, for us, because I could cocoon and I could kind of shut down with the rest of the world when I just really was going to shut down anyways. So that like really forced me during that period and that season and like it forced me to be like, what is important? Because all my whole world just kind of collapsed and like shifted from out from under me. And so I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't care about this. And like, I care about nothing about these things. And then as time started to pass, you, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, I do want to get back to work. I don't know what that looks like right now because working with clients feels extremely draining. I don't have a lot of capacity like I had before in terms of like my mental energy. And so I started to just like in these kind of dark, quiet times of being off client work, so to speak, think about how I could re-enter that work like in a way that felt sustainable and good to me and not pressury or or on a path to burnout again and again, because that's just what kept happening. It was like a cycle, ongoing cycle. But I started to just imagine this like software that one, I could create to support my vision of how I want to work with clients. And then two, could also help me have like a side uh, like digital product that could also offset some of this pressure of like client direct work of of one-on-one clients. Because I knew I would never like let go of client work entirely. I always want that to be a part of what I do, but I could be a little bit more specific and intentional about how I work with people through using the software and then like who I work with because I'd have a little bit more freedom. So that's like how it all came to be. (laughs) Interesting road. Yeah. Well, and I think that like for all of us listening to your story, we can relate with that sense of some of the beauty that can get created in some of the darkest times. Well, that like there has been a lot for you around uh, the simplicity, keeping client experience simple, but also effective or simple, mm-hmm. but also beautiful. And uh, mm-hmm. what do you think makes that type of client experience? What I was finding, so when I was starting to think about transitioning back into working with clients again, the, the nitty gritty of working at Function, um, I was setting up my CRM. Like I was using one already. I was like trying to get back into it and like think about my client process and how I could make it as streamlined as possible for my mental capacity at the time. But mm-hmm. nothing was just like hitting the nail on the head for me. Like I would go to set up something. I'd go on a trial for another platform and be like, maybe this one will be better. And nothing was like feeling this balance. So for me as a designer specifically, and I think a lot of service providers who do one-on-one work, we want to be as like automated and streamlined and structured as possible to keep it feeling sustainable, which is great in theory. But then I always am just like pausing automated emails and like customizing them and being like, don't send that out. I'm constantly still customizing proposals. I have canned responses, but I'm still auto customizing them before because I don't feel comfortable just sending the same thing to every client. Every client I work with is so different. So 
for me, the simplicity and the beauty of like Willow Space and how that came to be was like, I need a platform that like that can support the ability to have automation and structure and streamline simplicity in it. But, and like do that in a beautiful way. Cause one, I'm a designer and I care about that stuff, but I also want to feel really good sending my clients things that look good and professional. Um, and so I wanted to balance that with the ability of also customizing and being like, need this to feel so structured and cumbersome to set up and like, just go in and keep pausing things that are automated. I wanted it to be a strike, a real strong balance between yes, sustainable, streamlined, but it's also like fluid and beautiful. So it can be both. One of the things that I shared with you a lot about, uh, specifically about Willow Space, is that what would happen for me a lot with client experience softwares, I would get so overwhelmed by the options. I'm just using like one twentieth. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm literally just going in and using the contract function because I'm yep. so overwhelmed by figuring out the rest. Uh, and one of the things that I really loved about Willow Space was that there felt like a simplicity that was not overwhelming for the service provider. Mm-hmm. Have you heard other other shares like this? Yes, 100%, which is like the biggest, best comment and validation for me just as I'm building Willow Space because that's what I wanted to be. And like I've heard from a lot of people, you know, who are really or have a lot on their plate or have ADHD or do like are neurodivergent. They like, they don't, it's too overwhelming. It's too overstimulating. I found that too for all of these softwares. And the funniest part about now being so much in the software world and doing software design and strategy for other companies and Willow Space now is people who use software often think that they want one software to rule them all. They want it to do everything, but that's when we hate software. That's when we hate using software. Like we don't want a tool that does everything and is so tedious to set up and has all these features that can do so many different things and settings that you can do this way or that. Like that's so overwhelming that I need to be able to just pop into my CRM, do what I need to do to get my client onboarded and then jump right out. And like, I want something that can be set up really quickly. So I think that's the best feedback I get from people is just the simplicity of it is what makes it so much stronger. And we're constantly getting feedback requests. We're constantly getting like, can we add this? Can you add this? And we're always just intentional and, and really trying to get to the root of like what purpose it will serve and how we can do it doesn't become this overwhelming tool. Yeah, I love that. That's mm-hmm. such a, I feel like that's such a fascinating thing to think about because when I think about the software's that I use the most, that I use every day, those softwares are go-to for a very specific task. Mm-hmm. That's like what makes a good software. And the CRM is tricky because it it does have to have multiple features. But honestly, when I was first starting to build Willow Space, what I really wanted support on was proposals. And I almost just built like a proposal builder. Right. And that would have just been one software that served a very specific purpose a CRM needs a little bit more to it, but at the same time, exactly what you said, all the software that I use really consistently and that I love using and I enjoy experience of are a specific feature. It's like I can go in and they just do that one thing really, really well. So I think that's an interesting point of reflection for people listening of like, are you like Danielle and I in terms of like softwares work really well for you when they are simple and you go there for one reason, and you get overwhelmed by softwares that have too much going on, and then that causes you to actually use them less, which then is like, they become like unhelpful 
or mm-hmm. you're just wasting money on them, which is something that can really obviously happen. To a little point of awareness for people, mm-hmm. uh, just have language for like, oh, that's why this feels like a lot. Yeah, we don't think about software much as people who use it. And I never did either. So I'm guilty of it too. But there's a there's so much to think of of how you use something. And that's the immediate shiny thing is to say, I wanted to do all these things. And can you integrate with this and this and put this in it? That's all great to think about in theory. But if that actually kind of came to fruition, the, the amount of overwhelm and how much we would use those all those things is it's just it is an interesting point of reflection when you are using a software now to think about really is it enjoyable to use is it easy to use yeah and then I think it opens up that it opens up another question of like thinking about that in terms of your own business model Mm -hmm. Uh, and when it is simple and clear about what people come to you for that is more profitable and yeah trying to do everything uh, especially as as a service provider for talking about like client experience too specifically like if you are a service provider and you're trying to do some of everything that just gets so muddled. Like it gets so hard to manage your clients, your services, your projects when you're trying to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. It actually makes me think of, I feel like it's such a cliche example, but it makes me think of when I was working at McDonald's as a teenager, McDonald's, it's like, can't you just stick to your thing? Like, I feel like you're always adding in more layers. And I remember being an employee there and getting so frustrated, like, just leave it alone. <laughs> just stop trying to add these other menu items. I'm here for the Big Mac. Stop. Yeah. I added in the deli sandwiches. Oh. Like, only true McDonald's fans will remember they, these. Yeah, they must not have done terribly well because I don't, I one, I don't think they have them anymore. And two, I don't remember oh, them. Uh, they didn't last very long, like just a few years. But I think that's what it, that's an interesting example of like you, you watch McDonald's sort of like they have this thing that people go there for and sometimes they layer in things and they work but you see a lot of them layering things in and then pulling them back yes and that's interesting that's an interesting thing too because that in the world of software it's it's been a crazy mindset shift because I've been such a one-on-one service provider for so long like me to client service provider that's like a very different relationship than one to many, which is software. I'm wondering if you could paint a picture for us about what you think makes an incredible client experience, even outside of software, maybe being a part of it, but even outside of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even outside of that too, just that's something that I've been so hyper-focused on at at Function over the past 10 years and why, like, that's what I attribute the success of Function to is just our client experience. We've been very low marketing activity. We don't do a ton of, like, external marketing or trying to, like, we don't do a lot of that. It's actually just really been client experience that I focused on putting energy into so that the clients that we do work with, it's just been a ball kind of rolling with them referring us. And that's why I think client experience is so critical is just giving a really good experience the people who are already working with you so that they then feel great about sharing that experience with other people, whether that's product service for like any service or industry. I really tell any client that now word of mouth and providing a really excellent experience customers or clients is still the most powerful thing you can world of kind of marketing with all these other crazy channels we have now. But when it comes to a really streamlined, solid experience, what I've focused on 
is again, balancing that structure and then reading the client and knowing when to pull back and be more human in the, in the experience as well. So it just, again, this changes with clients. Every client is different. Like still to this day, I find every client that we work with is different in how they would expect to, to work with you. And it's great and it's fine and it's dandy to try and put these structures in place. And if that works for you and your clients, that's amazing. It's not worked for me over the years of like trying to put people in a box. I find client to client, like some clients are going to work with you on your client portal or your project management tool. And some people are just not going to adapt that. And they're going to email you, even though you've asked them not to email you. And some clients really want to be involved and talk to you a lot. Some clients you're not going to hear from from a couple of weeks and like try and get in touch with it. Like it just totally depends. So as much as we want to try and put these processes in place that really streamline and structure things like here's where you're going to respond with feedback and here's where we're going to communicate. I think it's more about asking your client about what they, how they work best. And these are things that we do have function to help move the client experience and us along smoothly. So kind of thinking from like start to finish of a, of a project or whatever your service you're offering to, to a client from onboarding in your first initial kind of contact communication interaction through to like the last thing you send off to them for a door, the last of part, part to a communication, anything like that should be lens of, is this, is this helping to like optimize my client experience? Is this helping to present my business in a positive way? And is this helping the client get to their goals and help them achieve their goals? So that's what we try and do a function is like onboarding. One of the best things we started doing in our onboarding intake form for our clients was like, ask them how they would prefer to communicate, ask them what their availability looks like, ask them if they're going to be taking any time off, like start to really get to know your client and how they work. And then show balance between how you work. So it's not just yes. about catering to that. You know, if there's things you need to take care of in yourself, absolutely you should be doing that and establishing those boundaries from the very beginning of working with these people. And so it's really about finding that balance. And then as we onboard them and work through the project, we've got lots of little things in place through forms and feedback, like deadlines on our forms and putting reminders and auto reminders in place. And that's where your CRM can really come in and help. We've got a lot of those things to gently nudge the client through the project without being so, again, like I think it can be really off-putting sometimes to have a very automated, structured, like rigid process for people. And maybe that's just because of how I work, but I find it a tiny bit off-putting when it's like very not personalized. When I'm paying money for a service, like it's nice to be able to feel like someone's taking the time to write you up one or, um, you know, those little things matter. So we try and just really strike that balance. There are definitely automated things we send out, but then there's also really custom things we do. So it's like trying to make that experience happen from start to finish is key. Yeah. I really love that intention around uh, of prioritizing or centering the humanity. And mm-hmm. this had, this sort of struck me more recently as well around like, I love those examples you gave around like how people like to communicate. Because mm-hmm. I think I think that we're all guilty of this in some way in business, online business of like, we think of these standardized ways of doing things. And it, a lot of yeah. times that can sort of lead into like, that's how it should be done. Even mm-hmm. though there's not really any need for the should to be there. And so I think like, for example, with client systems, we both think like, okay, so first I'm going to get on a call 
and then I'm going to talk that out with them and then I'm going to send a proposal or then I'm going to send the et cetera, et cetera, that sort of standardized process. But I think what that doesn't consider with what you're bringing in is one, does that even work for you? It's, uh, yeah. Service provider and two, does that actually meet your client? And like, for example, with my audience and myself, one of the things that I have found is that, uh, that there can be certain aspects of some of those problems can be really overwhelming. And it, um, I've had this when I've worked with graphic de- graphic designers of like, they send this form where it's like, and copywriters, they send these forms and it's like a million questions. Love. And like going to take you like an hour and a half to get through. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm so overwhelmed by what. <laughs> yes, what that's exactly it. Yeah. And then your overwhelm is going to lead to you like procrastinating it yes. and probably missing a deadline asking for an extension. And then that's exactly the kind of thing we need to try and avoid and make easier for our clients. Yeah. Like if your clients are sabotaging, it's because your clients feel overwhelmed by your process. Totally. Yes. A hundred percent. That's one thing that I, I don't know if there was this like period in online business. I think what, what you said too, like we went through this thing where there were just so many people telling us how to do things all the time and like the proper process and the proper structure and so many courses to take about client process and and this kind of stuff. And like it did pigeonhole us into this one way kind of of doing things. And then all of us got burnt out and we were like, why are we so burnt out? Well, it's because it's not working for you too. And that's like where I think it's really important to strike a balance and know yourself, like, like reflect on yourself. One example I have of this is like, I do not like phone calls. Like I'm probably going to never answer a call unless it's your name that I have in my phone that I know who's calling me and you're someone that I like, I'm not good at phone calls. They really drain. For some reason, I'm just like that millennial vibe of my phone when it rings. I'm just like, Ooh, and I'm Googling the number of who it is. And that's just how I work. So when I give my clients an option of, Hey, what is the best way to communicate with you? Phone is certainly not an option on that list. It's, Hey, is email good for you? Is, do you use Slack? Is that how you work? And how often are you available to check your email? Because I don't want to, like, I also want to respect your boundaries. So it's like establishing those boundaries for yourself too. And knowing the best ways that you work, because if your clients are unhappy at the end of the day, we can all sit back and say, oh, that was the client's fault. They're just a bad client. But it's a very critical point of like reflection to say, why was that client unhappy? And what can I do better to run into that again? Yeah, I think it, I think it invites a lot of permission of like, Yes. If you don't like calls, don't do them. <laughs> don't do calls. I don't do calls. Don't call my phone. I'll set up a Zoom in advance, like if you give me lots of notice, but I'll set up a Zoom call with you. I also use Loom a lot to record stuff for clients because I found that that works really well for me. Instead of setting up a one hour meeting with them, I can them work. Usually it's design work, so it's easier to present, but I'll send a video where I'm kind of talking through it for them. And it takes 10 minutes instead of an hour of meeting time, which I find meetings can sometimes with clients specifically be a little bit draining for me. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's probably a, a fairly common sentiment. Yeah. General, like, I think so. I'm like, well, meetings. <laughs> meetings all day. <laughs> Funny story about me is that no. when I was a teenager, I was like, oh, all I want to do all day. And I would set up all these meetings for myself. Like I would meet with like, <laughs> I don't know, community organizers, teachers, pastors. I would have like my taser and then I bought a, like basically like a palm pilot of eBay. I'm important <laughs> and so I good. want meetings. And now I'm like, no, I'm on meetings all the time. 
Nothing like drives me more nuts than seeing some of my friends or work more in like corporate jobs be like on meetings all day, every day. And I'm like, what are you, what are you getting done? Yeah, I know. I can't work. I think that's a frustration for a lot of people in more corporate jobs. Yeah, it's just, it's so many meetings. So I try and minimize those and I try and group my meetings onto like specific days so that I have meeting free days many times in the week. Yeah, which is a whole other great strategy. I think really like thinking that through, like what are there places of permission that are needed for you of mm-hmm. how you work and what if, what if it could look so much different and really yeah. centered you? Even with like your timing of your projects, that's another thing I fell so much into in back in the day of just, I guess every business owner maybe goes through this, maybe it wasn't a specific time, it, like a, a framed time, but I think when you're running an online business, you go through this initial phase of like consumption and you're just trying to learn everything that you can learn and you take everything in and you listen to everybody else. And you're trying to consume so much content instead of really listening to yourself. And now I'm in very much in the phase, especially after everything with my daughter, like I'm super in the phase of listening entirely to myself and just putting blinders on to what everyone else is kind of what's working for them. I like to still listen in and I love hearing what works for people still, but I think if you really can ask yourself too, even with project timelines and if if you can be a better service provider by extending a project timeline, maybe regular, let's call it designers just because I know the world, but you know, maybe a brand package for most online designers that I find is like a six week progress like process for people and that's the project. Yeah. Like if I can be a better service provider and provide a better client experience that I'm feeling more taken care of and moving through at a more efficient pace and I can make it do it in 12 weeks, then what's the problem with that? Like explain to your client and add the value where you need to, to, to be able to do what you need to do and explain why and be providing a better client experience for it. Yeah. Yeah. A good example of that probably is more of the intensity of like websites in a week or. Oh my gosh. It's like design day stuff too is really big right now, not to get into design world, but like, yeah, it's like the hustle culture is just, it's still there. I thought we were moving away from it, but like, it's still very there. And I think it's just takes more effort. I think these days as a business owner to, yeah, listen to yourself and say, wait a second, everyone's doing it this way, but like, do I have to do it that way? If I don't feel good about doing it that way. Yeah. That's, that's the takeaway there. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You don't. The spoiler alert is that you don't have to do it that way. You can use your client experience. You can use tools. You can use things like whatever that's going to help you like Loom that I use or like a CRM that helps you set automation. So you don't have to think like use the tools to your benefit to say like putting things that can be easier on your plate on your plate and then also meeting your clients where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a good example too, I thought of this for anyone is I've never encountered this, but if I had encountered this in one of the designers or copywriters I have worked with over the years, I think that this would have really served me is to like go through the form and answer in audio. Yes. That's so, Uh, that's such a good idea. Even for Willow space, I'm just like making a mental note of it because like yeah, just for these things. And I'm like, okay, we're going to need to get on a call. And that's where my client process can shift, right? That's where I can provide a better client experience is to say, okay, this client did not hit the nail on the head with writing their form into me. I didn't get what I needed out of it. So actually where I wasn't going to have a call for this and I was going to use the form to replace the call, I will, I will need a call with them and that's going to serve us both better. I really liked it 
encourage people to share with me what do I need yeah. to know about who you are and how you work in order to support you best and I think it's just that which I see this come up over and over again is that people are not used to advocating totally. for themselves or saying like this is what I need to feel supported well, I think that's a good question to get people to pause and say, wait a second. It kind of like checks us out of our, our like autopilot. This is the process kind of thing. And that's what I'm really trying to like shake up with client experience that I think has been ingrained in all of us through if we've consumed online business things in the past where it's here's formula, here's the process, here's your structured timeline of how you're going to do things. Here's exactly your checklist of how you're going to onboard a client and just like shake that up a bit and say like, okay, hey, what actually is going to work for me and what's actually going to work for the client? So I think, so I think asking a question like that and getting a client to pause and say, wait a second, I'm paying for a service. Maybe, maybe I can do it differently. Or like if you were my client and you were like, Hey, actually, could I send you audio recordings instead of like emails or forms? I'd be like, great. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that we can start to say, we don't all work the same. And one process, one structure, one automated sequence of a, a client process is not going to work for everybody. And in fact, I've found that it rarely works for anybody. Yeah. I think it's often it's like if people don't know that they can't speak up, they probably won't. Yes. But if they if you have a way of letting them know, like you can ask for what you mm-hmm. there's something really beautiful, I think, that can happen in that space. Yes. And then imagine Imagine that client's experience with you working with you and what they're going to feel having come out of that experience with you, what they are going to share with their family and friends about how accommodating you were and how great it was to work with you and how you got them through the the project or the time or the service together like smoothly instead of, you know, hiccups that might be like a form that was a two hour form that you're like, oh, I missed a deadline and the project was delayed and it was obviously their fault and blah, 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 blah. And it just like leaves not a positive taste. So it's like, how can we make it easier for people? And sometimes we do need to break it down really clearly for them. Like I found that asking people in the intake or in my onboarding form, really specific things like what, you know, how, what is the best way to communicate you with, with you, but not providing like phone as an option, because that's not going to work for me. It's not giving an open-ended thing that they might not be aware of yet, but it's giving them choice and it's giving them the ability to feel like they can at least feel heard and like that is validating to a lot of people yeah that's a good point too because sometimes when you leave it open-ended people will say I don't know well, yeah they might not and they might not know but if I give them a present them with an option of hey would you rather be present so for design again I, I'm only doing this because I can relate it so specifically to that but even maybe for like coaching and things like that if you're presenting or copywriting if you're presenting like a tangible like a deliverable to a client I, there are probably many different people how they want to receive that. I will ask my clients up front, do you, do you think you would prefer to have a meeting directly where I present this to you on the spot? Or would you rather me send it to you with a, a Loom video recording that walks you through it and you can take some- <laughs> So yeah, I just think like giving people options that work well with you can meet them halfway and meet them where they're at too, while not sacrificing your own boundaries and your own the the ways you work best yeah 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 that's so good to think about mm-hmm. one of the things I just wanted to talk a little bit through is because I see this come up in my work so I imagine it comes up is, is sometimes things are bad mm-hmm. or in terms not even just like relationally but like someone suddenly comes into financial crisis mm-hmm 
mm-hmm. or a trauma or a tragedy happens. Mm-hmm. And what I have been learning in my experiences with people is that they're almost used to service provider being sort of like, well, you signed a contract. Yeah. And I have, I'm definitely more of like, what do you need? Like, what yes. do you need? Yeah. Let's talk this through. And I have done so many different over the years, like so many different types of accommodations mm-hmm. uh, to sort of meet people where they are. What is your kind of take on when this st- stuff like this inevitably happens with clients? Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. I love that question because this really goes into what I'm trying to get across to you with this balance of humanity and business structure. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I can't like, given my circumstances and how my life, life has gone in the past few years, there's nothing someone could present to me. Like humanity has to come first, no matter what to me. And that's just a philosophy I will always live by from now on forever. And I mean, I definitely had it before the past few years too, but more so now because I have such a deep understanding of just life that happens. And business is great to have structure around and it's great to have, I'm such a processes and systems like nerd. I love it. Like I love processes and systems so much. It's like my favorite thing to do, but humanity has to come before all of that. And that might mean that like I said, it might mean that at some point in your client process, you have to get on the phone with the client. It might mean that you have to pause object because something has come up for that has to just be some like, that's something just, I will ever like forever be a, I, that will always be above whatever business is in place. So there's gotta be flexibility. I think the most important thing you have to do for yourself is figure out, like reflect on what you need. And that should come first. I think, what do you need from this situation to make this feel like, okay. And how can you help support your client? If they're a person in need to also feel okay. If that means that you have to pause a project, if that means you have to take on reduced payment, that you have to bring someone else on to finish some work because you need to step away. Um, Figure out what's going to feel best for you. And at the end of the day, I know because I've had to do it with stuff in my life, like just, just traumas and stuff like that that come up that you say like, I can't actually do this right now. And this is going on in my life. I like to be super, I'm, I'm a transparent person. I like wear my heart on my sleeve. I know not everybody is like that. And I totally respect that style as well, where privacy is very important. And I'm, I'm someone who really values transparency. So I have like no problem with my clients being transparent with me and I am transparent with them if something comes up and I'm, you know, here's what happened. I need to take the day. I need to, I'm going to make this work. And like, I've never really had a, a, a problem. Like I've never had someone who's been like mad about me having to do that. And I've never been livid with clients. I've had to make accommodations many times for people and do things differently. I've had to really stand true and stand behind my boundaries and let clients go, go before, like very rarely, but like certainly one or two that I've had to step away from the project entirely over the past 10 years, just because it really not aligned to my values and my core beliefs and and things like that. So you have to really kind of reflect on yourself and what you need and find the balance of how you can also support your clients when they're in need. But take care of yourself yeah. too. I don't think you should sacrifice your own your own yeah. needs for the sake either of others. So there's a balance. Yeah. And I think that's like probably the theme of most of our convo is that it is a balance that it is in some ways, per situation, mm-hmm. and 
under some of that reflection. But I think what I want to pull to from it all really comes down, goes down to communication. E for everything. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And even with your clients, like again, I'm a bit of an over communicator. I would say on the spectrum of like communication of bad, like low communication to like over communicator. I'm higher on the the over communicator, but I find serve me better with your clients and communicating and checking in with them. I've had. There's, there's, it's so easy if a project, let's say, is just kind of derailing a little bit and maybe you've missed your deadline because your form was too long and, and you really wanted to just put this task in someone else's hands and you don't want to be having to answer these forms every week. Like if my clients, it's easy for me as a service provider to be like, well, they'll get to me when they get to me. And I guess their project's going to get delayed because that's just how they're doing it. Experience and how this relationship could go if I was like checking in with them and be like, hey, I noticed that you're not, you haven't submitted your form yet. Is there anything I can do to help you? Should I extend it? Do you want to break this out into smaller chunks? I'm happy to do that. And like knowing what you can do to support them and help them move instead of just leaving it all on their plate. Like you can do these little things throughout the project to really check in with them and and help and communicate. What do you do then? Even as an over communicator, you you're doing all the check-ins and clients just disappear. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think like I certainly have had my like a, a small handful of clients just I've never actually had one like okay no that's not true I have had I think I've had one client just like actually just fully disappear and to this yeah. day I don't know don't know where they went <laughs> I don't know what they're doing but but with, with that I have had clients like disappear for a short period of time in the project and then me panic a little bit and be like okay well I guess they've just ghosted me and I'm left here hanging I have no idea what to do the way I've handled it in the past, my immediate, again, sometimes I'm in a phase or a season of busyness and I'm just like, oh, great. It's off my plate for a bit. I'm going to just delay the project because it's their fault. They've, you know, they've delayed it. Most of the time though, I think the better approach is to check in with them. So I've honestly, instead of being like the way I've done this before too, which is uh, elicited more of a response because again, it brings humanness back into business is instead of following up and saying, Hey, you haven't gotten this like to me yet. And I'm waiting for this, for the project to progress or, Hey, you haven't paid the invoice. It's past due or, Hey, I'm waiting for feedback on this thing. Um, if I really haven't heard from them when I'm supposed to hear from them, my check-in turns to, Hey, are you okay? My email is literally like, are you a, Hey, I noticed you haven't paid the invoice. I noticed you haven't gotten back to me. Is everything going okay? And is there anything you need, you know, support on that we can do to project or do you want to take a bit of extra time and offer them some solutions instead of just being like, you know, Hey, this is overdue. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I freaking love that. Yeah. I so I like, love I freaking love it too. Bring humanness back into, it's like building buddy. relationship building and business science shouldn't be that much different than building friendships and relationships and family relationships. And like, it's, it's really about that. Yeah, totally. I have a, which I don't know if this will be helpful for anyone specifically, maybe more in the coaching um, world is that how I do it. I have definitely had clients ghost. I think the hard thing with coaching sometimes is that there's a vulnerability level to coaching. And so someone's actually not really ready. Sometimes they'll disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a lot that I can do beyond like checking in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I can't force them. I'm not going to force them to stay or force them to commit to the work, especially if they're not communicating with mm-hmm. me at all. Uh, and so one of the things I, 
kind of a loose boundary I have is that I'll do multiple check-ins. And then if I'm still met with no response, I will send an email that, that says you have to use the sessions by a certain date. Mm-hmm. That sort of puts the power in their, their hands of like, you get to decide if you want to or if mm-hmm. you don't want to, and I'm going to leave it there. And then that makes me feel like that I've empowered them. Mm-hmm. but also honored my own boundaries have to protect yeah. yourself too so I think the message we don't want to put out is just that you're supposed to sacrifice your your finance like whatever you're supposed to sacrifice your end to to accommodate theirs is not the message it's just that I think there are ways we can honor their needs while also protecting ourselves and that's such a great way of doing it it's just saying hey I hope you're okay I just wanted to let you know because I haven't heard from you that here's you can use your sessions until not about it's not about like, it's about meeting halfway. It's like literally any other relationship. It's literally about meeting halfway with people. And so you can put the ball in there. Hey, here's your invitation to meet me here. Um, and like, that's such a great way to do it without being cold, not human or pressure Yeah. I mean, I think too, I would leave people with the, cause this could be a whole other topic, which I, <laughs> episode of like also noticing like your attachment styles and relationships uh-huh. and then how that comes in with the work that you do with clients oh especially gosh, if you struggle with you know like not having a secure attachment stuff huge yeah. yeah oh my god you're like I like have spent so much time and so many nights just with clients that it's it's so much tied to the way you show up in all of your relationships and it will yeah. show up. Any of your patterns will show up in client work too. Hundred, I think that's like critical to understanding yourself too. And if you can understand, if you can start to do that self-exploration, it becomes a little bit easier to manage, but certainly you can't escape it in client relationships either. Yeah. And I think if you're noticing like the, these patterns or this tenderness or whatever, like patient to you explore and heal uh, whatever's going on in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Because I would also say, like, part of for me, I actually feel like relationships with clients have been healing for me. I totally agree. I think there's like a level of mm-hmm. logic that takes over with client relationships versus emotional things that show up in other relationships, even for family in, in like intimate partners, like whatever that looks like. I find it will show up in that way, but it's not as intense because it's the, the emotion of it is a little bit less, but I mean, certainly I have, I have spent nights where I can't sleep because I'm like, that client hates me. Oh my God. They hate me. They, they hate who I am. They just, you know, they'd pass me on the street. They wouldn't even say hi, but I'm like eating myself alive about it, but it's just because it's showing up about that's how it's showing up for me. And I think that that's critical, but I do. Yeah. I do think it's a really interesting place to like reflect and heal because you can do it in a less intense way or like a little bit of a clearer way than you can with other relationships that get emotionally foggy. Yeah. 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 It's a good way to have like relationship therapy, but without having to go through the intensity of doing it with your, with your actual relationships. <laughs> Use your client as practice therapy. I tell my clients mm-hmm. that all the time. We're I'm like, I'm part therapist mostly therapist, at this point. So. <laughs> um, no, I'm not either. Don't yeah. me for that. No, I'm not actually. <laughs> disclaimer. disclaimer. In caps. I I will leave with this, or we'll end with this story. Of, we've been watching Hell's Kitchen. Nice. I, Good. It feels like Segway. it's like a weird, like it doesn't feel totally on brand that I love Gordon Ramsay as much as I love him. But I know. <laughs> He's the most ungentle mascot for you. 
but he has side. So if you've ever watched him specifically on like MasterChef mm-hmm. Kids, MasterChef TV, like if you watch him with kids, etc., you'll be like, OMG, inside he's like, okay, so well that's good. I see you in perception. <laughs> yeah, well I think he's also it's not as intense as he yes. used to be, but anyways, now I'm just like advocating for Gordon <laughs> Ramsay. Um, but it, I mean, I, like when because Hell's or not Hell's Kitchen. That's not what I was. What did I, I think call it's it? called Hell's Kitchen. Did I say that's not the show I meant? <laughs> <laughs> There's another show that is on right now where he like goes into restaurants and they're struggling. Oh my gosh, I, I forget the name now. too. But I Kitchen Nightmares. Kitchen Nightmares. Okay, Hell's Kitchen. Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> yeah, so gentle where he like goes names ever. Uh, not a listening um, like not a listening gentleness for me, but that's okay, okay, go on with your analogy. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but so much of him it's so much relational. Yes. Like how are people working together, the relationships that they had before they started working together, what they're like now, etc. And so <laughs> basically, does your business feel like a nightmare? Like kitchen nightmare. Does it feel like a house kitchen nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> Relationship folks, like everything. Because in that show, you really see how the like people's capacity to have healthy relationships impacts the client experience. Oh my gosh, yes. I think like without being like too woo-woo about it too, one thing, once I started seriously focusing on like my client relationships and experience, like that's what I put my whole entire energy into at the design studio, like you just start attracting better clients. Like I can't even explain, like I have such amazing, great, fantastic people as my clients and I'm so grateful. And that doesn't mean I don't still get the odd one that's a tough or tricky situation or a challenge. But each time I have a challenging client, it's such an opportunity to learn what I need to work on. And like that can be a really big blessing in your business and you should pay attention to if that's a repetitive pattern and like what that's trying to you or what you need to to change so that you can start to reflect and be like hey when I do this actually attracting the right client and it doesn't even have to do with my external like copy or how I'm branding the studio like that's part of it but I'm talking about just strict relationship attracting of like I find I get better clients when I'm focused on the energy I'm putting into my client relationships that I'm currently working with Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. Really cool. Cool manifesting practice. <laughs> love that. My yeah. my audience is very woos though. Yeah, I know. I knew I knew they could handle it. So I'm like, I'm gonna throw it in there. But yeah. it really has like it's been taking care of me well throughout the years of just focusing and learning from that and, and not immediately blaming terrible clients for outcomes and projects. Like it's easy yeah. to do. It's easy to do for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Danielle, like, I mean, we could talk about this forever. I know. We'll be like a five-hour podcast if we keep going. So <laughs> no one's going to listen to us. Thank you so much for being on and getting yeah, into thanks. this with me. Thanks for having me. It's, been, it's always lovely talking to you. So I'm excited to just put this out there and, and chat. Is there anything you want to leave people with? No, but if you haven't already, you can try Willow Space with Ashley's Got a Code. Is it gentle? That's the code. But yeah, you can totally try it out. And that's what's really supported this client experience journey for me in the past few years too. So hopefully it will just help people keep balancing their own needs with their clients' needs. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Gentle Business Sessions. I hope that it met you with support and encouragement and something to think about.
If you want to try out Willow Space and see what it's all about, feel free to check out any of the links in my show notes or via my website. And you can use the code GENTLE to get $20 off your first month. Wherever you are and whatever you find yourself up to today, be gentle with you.